Kurt was a vlogger in the early days of YouTube. Why didn't you tell me you had a YouTube channel? I took it down, the videos, the channel, a while ago. Where he used to scream about video games. Do you think our information may have been leaked somewhere? Doxing. No, I don't think we've been doxed. Now, his relationship will be put to the test. No one is going to get in this house. If not... This is our home. No one can drive us from our home. When one night, he is visited by a shadow person. Who are you calling? The police! No! Don't do that! Who won't stop tickling his feet? <laughs> Chasing the Ghost, a new play by Ashley Lauren Rogers, directed by Samantha DeManby. At the Walls Theater for Performing Arts, McKay Building at Fitchburg State University. Fitchburg, Massachusetts, December 7th through the 14th. Visit theforgetheaterlab.org for specific dates and ticketing info. Is It Transphobic will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, not too much to promote. Uh, August is just a very slow month. I'm going to be away in Dublin, Ireland for a little bit uh, from the 14th up until about the, the 26th, 27th. So I am actually going to leave Silas, who is my guest today, to create a little bit of content uh, to try and put out. So we're going to see, again, I can't make any guarantees. I'm hoping that we're going to get two episodes out in August. If not, I do apologize ahead of time, but at the same time, Hey, y'all, I'm a living human, <laughs> uh, and I make just enough money to keep this, I make just enough money through this to keep this up and to keep the RSS feed rolling, so uh, thank you so much. If you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash isittransphobic, uh, so that we can hopefully be able to pay. I would love to get to the point where we're paying our contributors, um, but you know, they are all coming in, they are all volunteering their time and their effort and everything, uh, and thank you, whether you've been able to give even just a dollar a month, or if you just keep listening, um, let people know. And again, if you can think about it, if you've got a little bit, yeah, give us a give us a dollar a month. That's all I'm asking for. And you can help keep Is It Transphobic up and, and floating. Uh, we have not tried to pick up advertising. We may in the future just to kind of keep things afloat, but it's a thing that um, I wanted to kind of keep this completely free of advertising as much as I could, but uh, yeah, just letting you know that. But yeah, we're approaching our third anniversary, and with that, it's just, I'm, I'm floored by how many people have loved the podcast, how many people have talked about the podcast, uh, the opportunities that I've received just from having the podcast, because admit, hey, I'm not going to pretend like I haven't been <laughs> contacted by people because they've heard the podcast, uh, but at the same time, it's just been really amazing, and I've and so thankful to all of the people who have come on the show, who have given us their perspective, and it's just been really amazing. So here's to another year. I apologize again if we don't have another episode this month, uh, but we're working on it. We are. 
All right, so here's Silas and I testing out Zencaster so that we can actually open it up to people uh, outside of the city, outside of places, and people maybe I haven't actually met. This is a whole new thing. It's, uh, yeah, so enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns, and today I'm being joined by... Silas Barrett. I use he, him, or they, them pronouns. Hey, Silas, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. We're trying out uh, Zencaster. We're going to see how this works, and if it works well, then uh, I can start calling people, and people can start calling in. Hooray! Uh, yeah, which will be much more convenient, I think, for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit. You know, we usually do a little bit in the beginning. Now, there's no video to accompany, uh, so we don't necessarily need to talk too much. So, uh, Patreon supporters, we'll try and figure out something that we can do for you. Uh, maybe this will just be an audio thing that you can listen to. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit. Now, you and I have talked about Neil Gaiman before. Yes, we have. But we haven't talked about Terry Pratchett. Um, do you have a favorite Terry Pratchett book or character? Ooh. That I I don't read as much Terry Pratchett as I should, honestly. Ah. I mean, like, obviously The Hogfather is a classic. Um mm -hmm. And I randomly read Going Postal when I was a kid because someone gave it to me. I don't even remember it very well because out of context, it was perplexing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, honestly, and this feels such a, a cop out since we're about to talk about good, good omens. But I really love the them from Good Omens, which are mostly Terry's creation. Mm. and actually are one of the weaker points of the TV show because Terry wasn't there to do it. Um, but the sort of like the way that he portrays their, their childhood and their sort of childhood perspective on things always struck me as really kind of amazing. And it's such a hard thing to do as an adult author to write children like you can write yourself like your memory of sort of what you were as a child but to try to do children in a more general sense and have it ring true to a large audience is really really hard and i always thought that he did that really well and i think that he just had this perspective on humanity that was sort of almost ageless in a way and therefore he could he could understand that sort of like unfiltered youth perspective in a way that I thought was really, really great. Yeah, I tend to agree um, as far as like, yeah, yeah. I, I love the way that Terry Pratchett writes not only children, but also this way, because there's a way that he writes that just feels very, very sophisticated, but in a childish way. If that yes, makes sense. that makes it so much sense. Yeah. Like so, and I don't know what the word for it is. Like there, there are common words you would reach for, like naivete or something like that. But that's not mm -hmm. really what it is. Yeah, because it's it's very like it's very targeted. It's very pointed, and that's what works about it. Because people can get behind it. Because they even if you are a child and you're you're picking up a Terry Pratchett book, you totally like get this, and you'll you'll be with it, even if you don't fully understand a lot of what's going on systematically. 
Um, but for yes. me, like I would say guards, guards is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the ones and I can never remember the characters' names now because it's been a very long time, but like the, the police chief, um, he's one of the few cops that I actually really enjoy. <laughs> uh, just, you know, just to put that out there, um, you know, uh, that, and also, um, the, the, the going postal protagonist is just yes whose also like, name i was reaching for and couldn't come up with but yes <laughs> yeah because again like it's been a little while and we didn't like hardcore focus on that i just brought it up but yeah i i think that there's like the way that he describes things a lot of his jokes and that's why i was curious how they were going to do them in uh, good omens which we'll get to in a moment but i was curious because a lot of his jokes are done in footnotes so yes the setup is in the text and then there will be a number and then you'll go to the footnote and you'll read what the number and you'll read what's corresponding to it. And it'll be a joke. Like um, I think it was the Sandman. His description for his universe's Sandman is a man who does have a bag and will uh, cause you to sleep when he uses it, <laughs> but it's not filled with sand. <laughs> like, and then there's like a footnote. You go to the footnote. It's just like it's filled with doorknobs. <laughs> like... Yes. Yes. That just sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're such a great person to talk about that idea because it it kind of coincides with your kind of, of humor in your writing, too, where it's, it's almost random, but it's actually really pointed and chosen. Like, you could just say anything, right? And it would be a mm. joke. It's not filled with sand. It's filled with, you know buttons but for some reason doorknobs is funnier than buttons and i don't know why but it is well i think especially like if we're going to talk about like doorknobs oh my gosh like a they look weird b they <laughs> would be dangerous like a, oh yeah a bag full of buttons that's yeah, it's it's like go to like, sleep and like peg yeah. you with a doorknob yeah, yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> it's also not a common fighting tool like, uh... like okay a stick a club sure but like a doorknob it's just like yeah that'll do some damage why don't people use this more often? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So I think we've, uh, for lack of a better term, I think we've vamped enough. Um, <laughs> let's take a moment in case I choose to edit this and cut this down. Or oh, no, we, not. Can't, we can't do any weird dances for the Patreons. No, we can't. Oh, <laughs> this, this does present itself as a problem. Okay. We'll have to figure that out. Right. Um, I might, I might work something out where we record a Skype call or something while we're doing this next time. But um, if anyone out there has any suggestions, uh, I'm always looking for them. You know that I'm always testing out new technology. You know that I'm always trying very hard to get the best technical quality that we can get, even though it's probably not always going to be the best. Uh, So yeah, let me know. I'm very open to suggestions. But that said, let's take a moment. We're going to restart, we're going to recharge, and we're going to talk about Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's Good Omens. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I am being joined by Silas Barrett, and I use he, him, or they, them pronouns. Fantastic. So, Silas, we're talking about Good Omens. Hooray! The specifically, now we're going to talk about a lot of different aspects of it. I will completely be open about the fact that i have not read good omens in a very long time same so there are aspects of the book that i will forget (laughs) but uh we're specifically focusing on the amazon original series uh starring david tennant and martin freeman is it yes (laughs) michael sheehan 
Michael Sheen. Nope. I always think that no, he's Martin Freeman. <laughs> honestly, it took me a second to figure out if that was like a deliberate joke or an actual <laughs> mistake, because either was very plausible. <laughs> and because you don't have the visual of me like <laughs> making a winking, winking at you, it's hard to yeah. <laughs> so for those that don't know, we're trying out Zencaster. We're going to see how this works. Uh, I've heard good. I've heard bad. Um, we're I I would like the option to be able to bring people in uh, who are outside of the state, outside the country, and you know, like uh, I, I host the podcast at my house, at my apartment, and that can be very difficult like i don't necessarily know everybody immediately that i'm bringing in and so this gives me at least a little bit of a like all right i know you now you can come on over let's 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 hang out in my yeah. living <laughs> which um, is fun i like your house i like visiting you it's great i love it i actually like I, i've gotten to meet a lot of people just by welcoming them into my home and shoving a microphone in their face but at the same <laughs> time <laughs> now go <laughs> same time this does create a nice vetting process at least in the beginning so hey <laughs> um but yeah let's talk about good omens so when i initially stated this on facebook because i was watching it and uh, just to be perfectly uh, transparent i loved the series uh i loved the book but when i posted about this because there's a moment that we'll talk about um and it's just like, oh, maybe I can cover this for Is It Transphobic? And one of the responses that I got was, well, it'll be a pretty quick episode. It won't be. Yeah, we're, we're going. They incorrect. I am, I'm ready. I have so many things to talk about. It's going to be great. I love it. <laughs> so, so Silas, uh, let's, let's talk about what, like, because there's one specific moment, and I'm sure that there are other moments that we can talk about with gender. Uh, but the moment is very early on. Um, the actually why don't you could you give just like a synopsis of what good omens is and again like if you're listening we may spoil yeah so this morning three two one go watch the series come back (laughs) we'll wait okay good (laughs) omens is the story of an angel and a demon who have known each other since the garden of eden and they have run into each other over the course of history And then one day, in the modern day, the demon finds out that the Antichrist has been born, and the apocalypse is nigh. And he goes to the angel, and he's like, I like Earth better. You like Earth better. We need to stop the apocalypse. We will work together to convince this Antichrist child to be neither good nor evil, but somewhere in the middle, and then he won't want to end the world. But then, after... 11 years they realize that the kid that they've been trying to influence is not in fact the actual child they lost the real antichrist somewhere along the way and they have to go find him and hope that the world is saved yeah there <laughs> there's it's it's a farce about the apocalypse that's <laughs> what it is it is a farce about the apocalypse farce well, it's terry pratchett <laughs> Yep. It's, yeah. <laughs> and then Neil Gaiman got in there. But it, yeah, it's 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 a farce. That's the thing. It's interesting because like even like reading the book, it just felt like a very Terry Pratchett piece. Yes. Um, and I think part of it is I do know Neil Gaiman's material. I do like Neil Gaiman's material. But at the same time, and I may pronounce it Neil Gaiman just because I that's how I always grew up thinking it was. But um, it, it just it felt very much like a Terry Pratchett piece. Um, 
but I, I don't know. Like, would you agree that there's like, it's more like, I guess, could you react to that? Like, I would agree. I think that tonally Terry comes through more. Um, he was the more experienced, more well-known author at the time when when the book was made and 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 neil gaiman has talked about this a little bit about sort of like oh i didn't get to work with terry pratchett and it was so amazing and sort of being in awe of him so i do think that 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 sort of uh tonal choice and uh, of the narration comes through as a little bit more terry for sure mm. yeah and even then uh the the depiction of death is the terry pratchett death uh, very close to yeah yeah because they in the book at least they they do the same uh joke where in the his uh his world and i the discworld is what he calls it mm-hmm. um in discworld death when death communicates it's all in caps and there's no quotations so that's how you know death is speaking and people hear it but it's just kind of like they hear the faint idea of a thing being said to them and they know that they're being communicated to but they don't fully understand what they're hearing yes and that's sort of like at least in the book exactly how death talked so it's different it's still a different universe but at the same time like the the attitude of death is a little bit more serious a little bit more hmm. like i don't maybe like humans quite as much as Discworld death but it's very similar oh yeah yeah that's true but it, it is. It's very similar. I yeah. would absolutely agree <laughs> with that. And and the structure, of course, is true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this one scene. Um, so do you, would you like to set up? Because you know which scene I'm talking about. Yes, I do. I know exactly yeah. which scene you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so in, a, in their lovely, clever idea of how they're going to influence the kid that they think is the antichrist into not being too evil is the angel Aziraphale and the demon Crowley decide that they will you know go and work at the um the home of the antichrist's parents and so they disguise themselves as the gardener and the nanny to to have access to this kid and so the demon Crowley who is played by David Tennant a cis man shows up you know, dressed like Mary Poppins style with his hair all quaffed and a hat and the little umbrella with the parrot on it. And he's like, I hear you looking for a nanny. And it's kind of sassy and kind of domineering and is there being the nanny and even sings a song to the kid at one point, which is the, the love theme of Crowley and Aziraphale from the opening and sings a song to the Antichrist or the supposed Antichrist to that theme. And so people are like, oh, is this a man in the dress trope? Yeah. So what are your thoughts as far as, because it's definitely, he's definitely wearing like female, when I say female attire, I mean what we traditionally look at as what women would wear, particularly if they're, going to be uh say like a nanny yeah. um, and even the job itself many people if we're looking at like binary expectations would expect a nanny to be a woman yes they would yeah and so and again like we're also playing up the very popular mary poppins yes um, i've seen bits of the script People mm-hmm. bought the script and they have it on tumblr and they put it up and it literally says like a mary poppins type Mm. 
in the script. So that's very much what they're what was intended from 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 Neil. Yeah. So what are your what are your reactions to seeing that? Like, were, are you conflicted? Do you feel very strongly uh, one way or another about the way that they oh. portrayed it? I all right. So it's in the book too. the same thing. But in the book, when I read the book for the first time, I figured it out later, I'm pretty sure. But when I read the book for the first time, the the you know, it's it's sort of a a, a a different perspective it's almost the kid who the the satanic nuns convince them to name this child that they think is the antichrist warlock so <laughs> which is great so it's all the the bit is almost but not quite from almost from warlock's perspective and they just say the nanny and the gardener and then they go on to describe the things that they do and like the influences that and the things they tell this kid to try to influence him mm-hmm. and when i read the book i didn't i wasn't sure if it was crowley and aziraphale fell in disguise or like another demon and angel that they sent to do this job for them mm. so when i read the book i i didn't sort of i wasn't struck by this question of like is this a male disguising themselves as you know as a woman is this like a male being disguising themselves as a human woman for this or not but obviously then we see in the show that it's definitely david tennant um so i had to almost ask myself that question for the first time rather than encountering it in the book so much Mm. which but the way it felt respectful to me the first Mm. thing i always look for when i'm sort of evaluating these kinds of things is is there an obvious joke, right? Like you can get deeper and deeper and deeper into how these things are read and how they affect people and and what does society bring to the viewing, but there was nothing comical about it, right? Mm. Like I liked the Mary Poppins reference. David looks good in that outfit. Um, You know, and he sings pretty. (laughs) And so there was nothing in it that I was like, this doesn't feel like someone's making a joke. There's no like obvious signals of, and now it's time to laugh audience. Mm. So that to me is always like, if that, if that's not there, I, I tend to err on the side of like waiting and seeing. Mm. And the way that gender was used in the show at large made me feel pretty good about the scene. Mm. Um, and, and I'm sure we're going to go on to talk about that, but there was nothing in there that I could say, Ooh, that feels like it's a joke or, Ooh, that feels like it's, you know, you can't, you can't escape the knowledge that it's a cis male actor playing a character that is supposed to be female. But also we learned something about Crowley's gender later that affected how I felt about it too, which uh, might take us too far off this particular moment. Hmm. Well, let's let's put a pin in that for right yeah. now because I definitely want to come back to the idea of Crowley and Crowley's gender. Um, I because I kind of agree with you on this in that like we yeah we had to kind of like see how the rest of the show dealt with gender and also sort of like what is the actual core of the joke that we're looking at is the core of the joke that we're looking at quote unquote a man in a dress or is the core of the joke something else and to me. There is a certain amount of comedy that people will find immediately in this idea of quote unquote a man in a dress. Yes. Um, and that I also want to pose the question whether that's always transphobic, which uh, I do have an answer that I feel, but I just want to voice that that we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, 
the joke was the joke was very much hey it's a gothic mary poppins oh it's crowley yes um and i think it's still got flaws because there is still that idea of like okay but crowley is a man and crowley is dressed as a woman um but they never continued that he didn't put on an affectation he wasn't like mrs doubtfiring he wasn't like oh, here, yeah like you could tell he was being very respectful about it as well mm-hmm. um so to me that's what sort of sold it as much as there's still that like well you know if they're gonna do that it's still going to exist as some people are going to look at that and find humor in the fact that it's a man again quote-unquote a man dressing as a woman um whatever that means and nevertheless like it's it's i feel like they handled it well and then Mm -hmm. basically did the like yep we're making a mary poppins joke boom done great yep um, and then you contrast that with Aziraphale's disguise as a gardener, which is very much there for you to laugh at. Yeah. Like he's got fake teeth. He's doing like a sort of a, you know, a weird voice. And that that almost was like to me, I was like, oh, I'm not sure this feels a little weird and insulting and like making fun of a different type of person. Mm. But of the two choices, that felt like it was the one that was sort of meant to be ridiculous and amusing to the audience. Yeah. And actually, like the the Gothic Mary Poppins that David Tennant or David Tennant, yeah, David Tennant was yeah. playing. Um, for whatever reason, David Tennant. I said David Tennant, and in my head, a picture of Lin Manuel Miranda popped up, and I was just like, "Wait, that's not the right person." Nope, that is. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I, okay. Well, I anyway. would watch that though. I would watch that. <laughs> just, it's because oh, I know why. It's because he was in the new Mary Poppins. Anyway, but yeah, like in my head, oh, yeah. just like I, I got like a weird flash of Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, but yeah, David Tennant uh, being the sort of like grounded character and just being sort of like no, we should talk about dark things. Let me sing you a song was very much the like, oh, he's, it's not even like he's, it's not that he's not trying. It's that he's not trying too hard. Like, um, yeah. like uh, not Martin Freeman. Like Michael Sheehan. <laughs> like Michael Man, I, you know, I'm off my celebrity game today. <laughs> oh, I'm usually so good though. at that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> But is it is it too early in this conversation hmm. to bring up what Neil Gaiman has said about that moment? Let's. I think okay. because I I don't think it's too guide early. me like we're because <laughs> we are talking about that moment. So okay. I think that's fine. Because I've seen a lot of fans talking about that moment, and they're hmm. very divided. There are lots of people who said kind of what we're saying is it feels very respectful like doesn't feel like it's a joke i'm cool with it gothic mary poppins who doesn't want that in their lives Mm. and a lot of other people who have you know very understandably been like i feel like this misses the mark i feel like it's uh, you know uh, a a very trans misogynistic joke you're you know you're you can't escape what you're sort of saying by having a cis man do this role and 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 neil's been pretty from what i've seen his like responses to people on twitter have been pretty respectful as far as like no you're he's not saying you know you're wrong we didn't do anything he's like i'm sorry like that wasn't our intention but he's not like telling people they can't feel that way Hmm. but what the point that he has made and and this is true in the book as well angels and demons are not they're, they don't have genders. They themselves are not really male or female. This was the, the intention that they set with the book. Mm. And what Neil has said is that 
They don't identify as males. They mostly present as males, but not when Crowley is the nanny or when they're watching the crucifixion or obviously when Aziraphale is in Madame Tracy, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. But he basically is saying that in that moment, or at least his intention in that moment, is that Crowley as the nanny is Crowley presenting as female, and that is just as really the same as him presenting as male because he's not a human. He's an angel. They don't have genders, really. Mm. And I like that hypothetically. Um, right? I, like, that's the problem. Yeah, because I think – and I know that there were some queer – and uh, I know you mentioned that there was a, one of the four horsemen was portrayed by a non-binary actor. Yes, pollution. Uh, yeah, pollution was portrayed by a non-binary actor. So there are some folks in there, but I, I think if there was more – queer representation it's always a lot easier right. to make that kind of a not that i kind mean of that's show. the yeah. problem it's yeah. nice to say the character is not in drag the character is being genuine but you're still yeah. dealing with people who identify as cis males so mm -hmm. you're still having a cis person portraying a trans person and like if say um, John Hamm, when he because John Hamm is in this and he's amazing, he kind of steals mm. the show whenever he's on screen. In my opinion, uh, if he was in more like dresses, if he was in more like right. things that were like, and it was looked at as normal, it was looked at as like if the angels' attire wasn't so binary. If the angels' attire is very binary, but the demons' attire is not so much. Oh, okay. Like Beelzebub is very sort of genderqueer feeling to me. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and, and you get you get a little more flexibility with them, but also, for me, it the the gendered attire was definitely a problem, mm. but the gender blind casting helped. Mm. The fact that Michael is played by a, a you know a, a female actress. Hmm. Um, the fact that they don't feel the need to like qualify those um, did take that edge off for me a little hmm. bit as far as like how consistently are we saying that these beings are not gendered? Hmm. I see that. Yeah. Also Dagon who, and I don't know if this was a mistake they made in the show, hmm. but there's an actress who plays Dagon. Who's the one who gives like the pep talk to the demons before they're about to like go start the apocalypse mm. and is there with Beelzebub and then there at Crowley's trial at the end. But we hear Dagon's voice earlier in an earlier episode and it's definitely not the same actor and it's a more what one, what one would call a quote unquote male sounding voice. Mm. And I don't know if they just like didn't realize that was the same character. Probably that's what happened. But as a result, I'm like, does does Dagon change? Like, does their voice sound uh -huh. different on different days depending on how they feel like presenting? Mm. Like I see, that's the thing. I think if we saw more of something like that that was intentional, and again, like I'm I'm more in general, I'm in favor of this, and in general, I think that it's like perfectly fine. But I'm also like, all right, let's get to the heart of this. Let's get to the heart of the argument of like why. Mm -hmm this could still be an issue um out of curiosity what has his because we you and i also covered uh neil gaiman's uh sandman for game of yes. you and so this is another reason why i really wanted to talk about this with you because we've already talked about neil gaiman and his uh representation and what that means mm -hmm. ha has he talked about that when he's talking about this because immediately when i think about like an issue in 
something of Neil Gaiman's where it comes to gender, I immediately go back to that. And yeah, which is fair. No, I haven't. I haven't seen. Um, I don't know if he's talked about that at all. I haven't mm. seen anything um, about that character specifically. Mm. Um, you know. Yeah, no. I'm... I definitely. I feel like if nothing else, he's gotten better. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> You do, you you do wonder, like, if you're not going to address it, you know, and, and just say, like, yeah, you know what, like, that character, I, I missed the boat on that one. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a phrase that I'm trying to remove from my vocabulary. But I missed the mark mm. on that one. And, and, and sort of, like, to acknowledge it a little bit more. Um, I haven't seen much of what Neil has said. Really, the only reason that I know what Neil is saying is because I'm on Tumblr looking at gifs and you know incorrect quotes for good omens every day <laughs> since it came out and people have been reblogging what neil has said what david has said michael sheehan is like obviously they're in love with each other and i support all your gay fanfic and that's great so like mm. that's sort of where my my knowledge base is coming from i don't follow neil on twitter or anything mm. well let's let's talk about that in a second as well this uh the idea of their relationship together because it's not necessarily a trans issue but it's definitely an issue of uh queerness um and queer representation or is it uh but before we get to that i wanted to know about um we we had put a pin in something earlier and i apologize i'm now trying to remember i'm trying to backtrack and re remember what it was was it and pollution that we were going to talk about yeah why don't we why don't we talk about pollution for a moment so this is an yes. actor that i do not know um i had not seen them in anything um what who uh, talk to me about pollution silas oh <laughs> uh, yes um pollution uh i'm trying to remember she's a from the Philippines, the or sorry, mm. I don't. I think she uses she pronouns, but is does identify as as non-binary. Right. I can. Um, and pollution uses they pronouns, and um, I actually really enjoyed. Overall, I wasn't crazy about the four horsemen mm. in this. I didn't. I didn't think they were as strong as in the book, but the scene when we meet pollution and the delivery guy brings the crown. Mm and refers to pollution who is an afab person who does have you know sort of a look that looks you know like a little bit more you know you know they're afab and mm -hmm. refers to pollution as as sir which is technically a gender neutral address mm. although we don't tend to use it that way but it, it technically is um, and people were really, I saw like people were really excited about that versus like war is, is he does say ma'am to war. Mm. Um, and so like that was really exciting for me. And I knew ahead of time I heard in the casting mm -hmm. that pollution was supposed to be uh, not sort of non-binary presenting and that the actress was non-binary. Mm -hmm. So I, I like went into it, like knowing that it was there and being excited to see it. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm looking up uh, the actor right now. It's uh, and I may be pronouncing their name incorrectly, but Lords uh, Faberas um, known uh, like absolutely from the Philippines. Um, and I'm just looking into this actor a little bit more as we speak. Um but yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Like, because I remember you talking about that aspect with me, and I was just like, oh, all right. I'm excited for, I'm oh, excited that I'm excited for pollution. 
Yeah, you know, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, this is like one of my favorite, but also it's pollution. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Mm-hmm. But yay, but no. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> So we talked a little bit about Neil Gaiman. We talked a little bit about that. Um, let's talk about Michael Sheehan in the body Michael of a Sheehan. woman. I love I love Michael <laughs> Sheehan so much. Let's talk about him in the body of a woman for a little while. <laughs> yes, the Madam Tracy thing. Um, yeah. So. Basically, <laughs> like, what, what happens is um, Michael Sheehan uh, is, I, I, oh man, it's it's now been like a week. He was, he for some reason was, uh, he was, oh, he was trying to get back from heaven down to earth. They had stopped right. all travel. Um, he got discorporated and his yes, body was he gone. he got discorporated. Um, <laughs> so he had to find a body. And Madam Tracy was essentially just like a, a uh, like a what do you call it like a like a phony baloney um, medium medium and accidentally brought him into her body like through through her feeling we're like kind of on it's unclear mm. how but it seems to be and I again it, I, it's been the book's been a while for me too but it seems to be that that like Aziraphale was like actively looking for someone to like mm. host him in their body. And she seems to kind of get mm. that. Like, it seems a somewhat consensual sort of like, Hey, like, you know, hi, like, can we talk about mm. this? Um, it's a little, but like in the middle of a seance, like, oops, it's, it's something real. It's an angel that wants to bar, like, share my body to do this. Thing. Okay, yeah, like it because I'm trying to remember because I think it was I think the language that she used in order to you know like summon the spirits was like come through me or something or like enter through me and I don't know it's been a little while but yeah like that yeah kind of, the the yeah. classic sort of and, thing and then the pe- the people that she's summoning summoning for are like oh is it our you know our relative <laughs> or whatever and she's like no it's something real <laughs> which I loved <laughs> oh it's so good so what are the like so the way that they handled that because the entire time um, Michael Sheehan would sometimes take over and speak through her body, but it was definitely his voice. Um, and sometimes she would just be arguing with him literally like in her body outwardly. Um, and sometimes it would kind of be yes. both where it was like, it still sort of maybe a Xerophel talking, but it would sound like a combination of her voices or maybe even just be Madam mm-hmm. Tracy's voice. So they did, all of those things and i honestly couldn't decide if i thought that Mm. worked or not i found it confusing i think because it was happening near the end and all of the the farcical situations were going a it was a little rush but b there was a certain amount that like it could only be explained so much it's like all right look look he's in her body just just fucking deal with it it's just (laughs) just, get it it's fine okay Uh, for lack of better just like we need this win. Just let it, just let him be there so that he can do things uh, and exist again. Um, but from our lens, was this handled well? Like, do we think that because the joke in a lot of it is that she is 
um, communicating with someone else that no one else can see, but also it's communicating verbally back to her in, again, what we would look at as a, what people would assume is a traditionally male voice. Um, yes. And in some senses, is that kind of another version of the man in a dress trope? Or is this something different? Yeah. And I don't know that I have a definitive answer. But... Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I think there's all, there's like definitely a lot there. And I don't know that I have like a simple answer mm. for it either. I think it works in some moments and doesn't work in other moments. Yeah. And, um, like there's, when they're all trying to get into the airbase where the apocalypse is going to start. And Crowley shows up and sees that Aziraphale is there and in Madame Tracy's body and sort of recognizes that it's Aziraphale immediately, like doesn't need to be told. He's like, oh, hi, Aziraphale. So you found a bride. That's nice address. It suits you. And that to me felt very like I liked that mm. moment. You know, there was no judgment. There was no like, oh, Zerfell, you had to be in a lady. Oh, my goodness. It was just like, hey, what's going on? My car's on fire. <laughs> you have to be inside of a human. It's weird. It's like, fine. That it's dress right. looks good on you, which mm -hmm. it does. Miranda Richardson as Madam Tracy is amazing. I love all her costumes. Some of the stuff that the from the book with the weird, like, she's shame like you know slut shamed a lot and like treated poorly i don't yeah. love but but she's actually a great character on mm. her own terms and um and i was like yeah that's great uh but some of the stuff with with shadwell which his relationship to her also it's it, it didn't bother me in the book but like it's 2019 yeah. now and i'm just like not really here for this like he just calls her the whore of Babylon and she's like, Oh, you're such a flatterer. Oh yes. I love you. And then at the end, she like tones down her look a whole lot when they finally like get together. She's like, Oh, I'm not wearing my wig anymore. Like I'm dressed more modestly. I'm going to retire from, you know, being a sex worker slash hmm. medium. And, and like, so that was always a little weird. And there's this bit when he first hears, her and Aziraphale talking in the same body mm -hmm. together. And she's like, so how is this going to work exactly? And Aziraphale's like, well, given the circumstances, we're both going to have to be extremely flexible. <laughs> and Shadwell gets all mad because he thinks it's like a sex thing. And he like rushes in. And he's like, oh, get your hands off her. And there's no one there. And I was like, that joke didn't work for me. I, I, I appreciated it just because I do, again, like because we're looking at it from the perspective of a farce because it's supposed to be a farce like right. that makes sense because it's a confusion that's sort of confused about sex but at the same time because we've got a character who and this is part of the reason why farces i think can still work but at the same time only on a structural level we have to sort of move past or uh maybe not move past but like really identify in a farce mm -hmm. what are the garbage that we need to uh subvert like and I don't know that this necessarily subverted a lot of those, particularly because of their treatment of uh, of her as a sex worker. But again, like she was a great character. So she's such yeah. a good character. Um, so I think that one, I man, I because I laughed. I'm not going to pretend I didn't laugh. Uh, yeah. 
I think I laughed but, too. But I think going back to what you were talking about with David Tennant saying like, oh, it's a nice dress. It suits you. That could easily have been just delivered in a different way. Uh, and, and it could have been because yes. that just that same line could have been such a dig. Uh, but because Crowley and Aziraphale as characters don't have gender and they're just looking at things as like, all right, here's the aesthetic. That's a good aesthetic. Like, mm. it was very, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what else is mm. weird about it, too? As an American mm-hmm. viewer, there is such a history of like men dressing up as women for like Halloween and like, and it's not that it isn't still iffy, like it's still a joke, but it's a, it's a, they're less threatened by it than Americans. Mm. Like, like, like a cis guy, like wearing a dress for some reason, like for, is, is a, like for Halloween say is like a more extreme choice where over there it's like very kind of like a casual, like everybody kind of does it mm. thing, which changes the, t- the, the feel of the joke, I think. Yeah. Whereas like, I expect if someone's going to make a joke about it, it's going to be really mm. intense and really obvious Whereas, like, I feel like if they're making sort of a British joke, I might kind of miss that they think it's funny or that they're sort of saying something a little negative about it because it's so mild and compared to what I'm used to from Americans. Hmm. Well, this kind of goes into another uh, topic that I kind of talked about earlier that we can maybe start talking about is this idea of, again, the quote unquote man in a dress trope. Is it always transphobic? And the answer is, for the most part, in my opinion, for the most part, yes. I don't have examples of it not being other than I don't like the idea of um, telling anyone what they can't wear or what stops them from being who they are because they're wearing something. Right. But that never happens. Which I guess is my question about Crowley. And again, when you have a cis male playing the character a cis man playing the character it's gonna Mm. be affected but as far as the intent of the character themselves gaiman said that crowley is like presenting as a woman when they go to the crucifixion Mm. he it was part of the the comment that i was saying before is they they don't they mostly present as males but not with a nanny and not when aziraphale is in madame tracy and that was the crucifixion was the other moment And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that, except I remember watching that episode, episode three, where they do the all the flashbacks through history of Aziraphale and Crowley running Mm -hmm. into each other. And I remember specifically being drawn to and noticing the way that Crowley's hair was and he's wearing sort of the like the it's not really a hood, but the sort of like wrap cloth sort of loosely over Mm -hmm. the head. And I like pay like I, I I noticed it immediately, and I got a very specific feel from it immediately when I watched it, long before I read this quote. And when when I saw that Neil Gaiman had said that, I was like, "Oh, what does that mean? I mean, there's something there that I responded mm. to. That was really interesting. And if the intent is that this is a character who maybe honestly does." sometimes want to present as female just because he Mm. wants to that's or because this is the clothes that feel right or i you know a genuine desire to experiment 
that does change the character for me, not necessarily, you know, the, the structure of viewing it as a piece of media, but as a character. Because I think the, the thing you're talking about where you're like, you know, you don't want to tell people what to wear. You never see that. You never see a character who's like, this character is male and they like a dress because that's what they like. And this is the, you know, what the, the character choice that we've made mm. in this show. You don't see that. There's always some other reason, mm. which I think is what starts to get it really, really woolly. So you're now you're evaluating their motives. You're evaluating, is there a joke? Is there a commentary? Is there some kind of intense meaning that we need to suss out from this rather than just, this is a guy who likes dresses and that's mm. allowed. Yeah. And I think particularly when it comes to uh, visual media, uh, something like a movie or a television show, when I say that they feel the need to, if you're going to present something that is quote unquote different, you need to absolutely acknowledge it and just push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. But I think especially with uh, like you were saying with uh, Crowley in uh, during the crucifixion, I read that but i didn't necessarily read it as something i just sort of like oh okay like this is who crowley is right now and because yeah. i think the other thing that we're we're not necessarily talking about is like these are otherworldly beings as opposed to humans and this yes. happens a lot that's why you get a lot of like magical elves that are non-binary and you get a lot of like oh mm-hmm. aliens that are non-binary um whereas with something like this it's just if there were more non-binary characters that were human like even pollution we're talking about pollution and it's great but like another like otherworldly being um it's yeah i agree i mean and and i feel like we we run into this so often where when you have such limited representation mm -hmm. everything is gonna be a little flawed and like I personally, you know, when I, what's well, like, it's you know they have those the neutral, excuse me, the neutral gender restroom signs, mm. and it's like a mermaid and a it's unicorn and an crap. alien yeah. or like whatever, just wash it. But mm. like, okay. I love that personally mm. as just as I in my own just me in mm. this sign vacuum relate to that. I'm like that's right. I am an otherworldly being. I'm not a human. And that's how I understand my gender. And of course, the real problem is like, who put up that yep. sign? Like, cis people. So like, you know, like, it, you run into that sort of like, we're, we're labeling you or we're suggesting that you're weird rather than this is a label I've individually chosen for myself. And that's the same problem you run into here where I'm just like, yes, I would please like to be a uh, a, a, a demon who is, you know, maybe everything or nothing or just experimenting. And I kind of like that better than being like a human mm. sometimes. But also, like, there should still be examples of my gender as normal or not, like uh, commonly as humans and as other mm. things. Yeah. And especially kind of like you were saying this idea of like who well who's putting up this sign and i think 
I because here's my issue with the whole like mermaid thing. Because I agree, I like the idea of like these like mystical creatures. I am hey, guess what? I'm awesome. I'm a unicorn. What's up? Um, but at the yeah. same time, yeah, this idea of and I have the same problem with like I don't care. Just wash your hands. Uh, that's another sign that I've seen that's like in a similar thing, and it's like oh, it's cute. And I'm not necessarily saying that there are bad signs. Problem with signs like that is like, well, I I want you to care. I need you to care because, like, right. it's like okay, yeah. that's great that you are happy if mermaids are coming in there, but if I don't feel like, but right. I need to know that I'm not potentially going to either have my ass kicked or kick someone's ass because they're mm-hmm. saying that I don't belong in that restroom, even though it doesn't, even though it says a mermaid can be in here, like, right. Yeah, no, I, I see. I see your point exactly. Yeah. It's like it's that sort of performative allyship rather than real yeah. protection. And the best intentions are probably made with that as well. But at the same time, that idea mm-hmm. of like, that's cool. I'm a real human, and I'm going through real things. Please, like, even if it's just the picture of the toilet, I like that. Like, yeah, yeah, no, and and since I've heard more people talking about it, like, I definitely agree yeah, and- with that. It's like. But I think that's like sort of that issue of like context and the mm-hmm. world. When you see something just sort of in a vacuum, it means something very different than when you think about just seeing that sign. I'm like, oh, but then you actually think about what you, what it means and, you, and what you talked about. And, and I think that we run into the same problem when we're talking about this media. And it's great that Neil Gaiman is saying something like they're not necessarily gendered beings that – we wanted to, you know, allow more flexibility and identification that we wanted to do these things like that's still good. But the question is, like, what does it really mean mm-hmm. to do that? And the other thing that I wanted to bring up based on this, especially since we're talking about Neil Gaiman and how he felt about things, uh, a conversation you and I were having uh, was that he didn't want them to be gay at first. He was very kind of affronted. Like, do you yes. want to talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So when the book first came out in the 80s, early 90s, early 90s, I'm like stretching it a little bit. It's not that old. Sorry, I don't know what time it is. (laughs) The book came out in the 40s and I was not born yet. uh, Anyway, Um, but yes, when the book came out, people reading it, they were like immediately, (laughs) they're gay. They're gay. They're gay, right? And they went to Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, and they were like, they're gay. And Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett were like, um, so basically, Crowley is just Neil, and Aziraphale is just Terry, and we're really uncomfortable that you would say they're gay, because that kind of sounds like you're saying that we're gay for each other, and we're not. Please stop. And over time... I mean, you know, they were pretty nice about it. Like they definitely, they weren't like like, gay people. You definitely see that. You see that in like shipping a lot. Like actors will be like, never say these words to me because it's really uncomfortable that you would ever insinuate that I would be gay for my co-star, even in fiction. Um, And so they, they definitely weren't like that. They were, they were much more like, well, you know, like, I don't think they actually ever Mm -hmm. said stop, but they were just like, Oh, Oh no, but we're not. Oh no, that's, it's just Mm -hmm. us. It's why. And they kind of relaxed about that Mm. after a while and you know neil gaiman kind of has his sort of like 
death of the author perspective that he likes to do where he's like, I acknowledge that once you put art out into the world, it belongs to everybody and you can't dictate it what it is and isn't. Um, which, you know, he's sometimes good at enacting and sometimes <laughs> less good at enacting, but definitely I think aided him in this particular instance where he has, and I think also his particular love for this piece and his particular deep abiding love for Terry Pratchett have also aided him in sort of seeing the the existence of Good Omens in a very specific, welcoming, everybody's perspectives are real and true for this piece of art that means so much to so many of us. And he definitely has made steps in sort of talking about the making of good omens both before like while they were filming it as well as after to sort of be like i know people are really worried we're not here to tell you that your version of crowley and aziraphale is wrong and this tv version is right this is just another version and they are all valid and your story is valid and your head canon is valid and the book is valid and the we're not going to sort of step over what you did and say but no this mm-hmm. is the real one and so that means that they had to really embrace this idea that people were like, yeah, they're in love with each other. And he's gotten a lot of people commenting on that on Twitter as well that I and Tumblr that I've seen where people are like, but say they're gay. Say they're gay. They're gay for each other. And he's going, well, they're not necessarily mm. men. You know, I I think that it's a love story is what he said. You're like, I think that you're saying it's a love story. I agree. That's you know, sounds right. That's real and valid, but I can't really say that they're any specific orientation because I'm not really saying that they're any specific gender. So, but he definitely like has, has eased up and sort of been like, yes, go for it. They're together. Meanwhile, the actors are like, (laughs) they're in love with each other. We're in love with each other. Every time somebody is like saying something about, Curly and Aziraphale being in love with each other. Michael Sheen is just like, yes, this is it. And he'll share things, Aww. like he'll reblog things and be like, yes, they love each other. My objective in every scene was to look at you with love and not have you Aww. notice, you know? So like, and I think that's the other thing too. And as a creator, when you do some, when you do a book, you have such power over how the characters are read. But when you do a screenplay, you hand them to an actor and that actor is going to imbue their Mm. own thing. And I think a lot of what comes off as like the love story in this is David Tennant and Michael Sheen Mm. playing it that way. And like Michael Sheen's like really into it, but also you get this thing with actors where everything comes off as more romantic because actors like to make the boldest choices. They like to go for the big emotions and they met, you see it a lot, even like, I think these two really were like, yeah, they're, they love each other, but you see a lot, even when actors aren't really trying to go for actual romance, where it's just like, you mean so much to me. Then there's no sort of like, you know, it's, it gets Shakespearean mm. very quickly. And that feels like if every emotion is a hundred, then like, <laughs> it's all just it's all going to read to you. If you're a romantic person, it's going to read to you as romance as well. So I think that's also part of it. And I think that Neil's just been like, yeah, cool. Okay, sure. Yes. Which in an age of, 
you know, big properties that sort of queer bait and then dial it way back, it's nice to have. Yeah. So we're running close to the end of our time. Um, why don't we ask the questions that we always ask, and then we can always talk about other things if they come up. Uh, I'm sure that because I guarantee yes. you, just within an hour, there's only so much that we can actually address. And we really took on a lot of like that's the thing we took on a lot of like big topics. So <laughs> we did oh this we I, I could talk for another two hours about good omens. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I, love you mean it. Your, your... I dyed my hair to look more like Crowley's. It's yeah. I don't know what to oh. tell you. So uh, let's ask, well, then let's ask that question because we've already pretty much answered it. Uh, did you, yes. well, actually, let's, let's start the way that we usually do it. Uh, is it transphobic? I'm going to say no. I say, as, as is often the case, you can't really escape bad tropes and the transphobia of society. So like maybe like hmm. a two on our scale, two or three, um, I don't think it's it's meant. I think that the intention is very good. I don't think it's in, it's intended to say anything poor. I think it probably wanted to be even more encompassing and good mm. than it actually achieved, which means something to me, even though it doesn't. Mm. It isn't a hundred percent. So yeah, like it, like a three. Yeah, and and we're three. talking about like out of ten, right? Cool. Mm -hmm. Out of ten, yes. I I'm very similar. I think I'm at like about a three as well because it's like, well, there are some tropes that are just there and they kind of couldn't. I don't know that they necessarily like took the trope and said, ah, let's like smash this trope into the ground and say never again. But at the same time, like, yeah, they looked mm -hmm. at it and I think that they did a pretty good job uh, trying not to uh, make the joke that it's like i don't know yeah like but there are definitely still cases that can be made and i think that anybody that does feel like it is transphobic uh their opinion on that absolutely has legitimacy and should be respected i just don't think for myself that it was that bad <laughs> at all i think that they worked really hard to try to not make it uh to try to not make it bad so I, I agree with that. I think that you're, I think that you, a lot of it is subjective, like how much you think each this, that, or moment mm. is or isn't. Um, but overall. Yeah, because like, and I don't want people to think like, because I was trying really hard to push the like, hey, there are these things, let's talk about this. And um, like, well, what about this argument? And I don't necessarily want people to think that I was like believing that it was absolutely transphobic the entire time. Uh, but at the same time, I just I wanted to push that conversation because that is a conversation that people have about it. And uh, again, like I don't think that people are wrong when they say that they feel like that moment was transphobic. But at the same time, like I don't necessarily agree with that myself. Um, so, what about the enjoyment level? Did you enjoy this? Let's talk about the no yeah, i no, don't I like tell. it very much i yeah. don't know if y'all could tell that i no oh my god i've only watched it mm -hmm. what four times <laughs> all the way through also i so, realized something yeah. that we didn't talk about i just now called it the netflix series <laughs> oh yeah you can you, you corrected i i still can't keep that straight i saw like netflix <laughs> say something against the like 
straight yeah, pride yeah. plays, and I was like, wow, that's progressive for Amazon. No, no, wait. Oh, <laughs> what's happening? Streaming services, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, and you've corrected me before on Facebook when I said, oh, yeah, it's on Netflix. You can go watch like, it. No, no, it's yep. not. Uh, but yeah, John well, and even then, like, the reason I wanted to bring it up was a religious rights group, like, one of the, the like, really, you know, like, the, the one of those, when I say, you know yes. what I'm talking about, I'm not just stating like it, a, but yeah, like, one of those Christian yeah. groups. Yeah. One of those really intense Yeah, they ones. called, they started a petition, like, many petitions happen, but they started a petition uh, asking Netflix <laughs> to not renew it for a second season, to which I think Netflix actually responded saying, like, we won't, but, like... <laughs> Yeah, and then and then um, Amazon like tweeted at Netflix like, um, "We'll we'll cancel Stranger Things if you cancel Good Omen." <laughs> but did you see? Fans were all like, "Oh, it was Crowley. Crowley did that. He tricked them into thinking it was on the other no service." I, I missed that, and I was pretty happy with that. So I was like, "That is exactly something." That right that there Crowley was my head cannon because. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm like, because he's out there doing tricky things and being like, I messed with people. Yep. I'm an evil demon, but really, he's just making all of our lives. It's like, hey, you know better. what you should do? You should try and get Netflix to cancel it. <laughs> to cancel that, right? Like, for you know, Jesus. For Jesus. Yeah. Who I was totally personally friends with, even though I'm a demon. But that, oh, you know. but yeah, like the. I, I so for me yeah. as far as enjoyment level like i don't know if you want to put like a specific number on it like i i like the number system but at the same time i know that you love this so <laughs> 11 oh out of 10 <laughs> all right uh yeah i i'm up there like they're like i'm trying to think if there was any reason that i just like didn't like it i think I, I'm going to give it a 9, 9 out of 10, just because it's like, it's great. That's I bad. love it. Please watch it at the same time. Like, yeah. yeah. It has some some flaws. It has some storylines and bits that are not as good yeah, as even other the... bits. But also, like, my my criteria yeah. was very specific. And it was just like, just make Crowley and Aziraphale perfect. <laughs> they did that. And they did. And so, like, everything else, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, the Four Horsemen, that mm -hmm. stuff didn't always work. The them are very, like, secondary and sort of forgotten. Like, I don't think Neil mm -hmm. really knew what to do with them. But I don't <laughs> care <laughs> because I got what I wanted. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about before we start wrapping up? No, I, I right. think we covered it. I think this was I a really good one. Even yeah. without video, I I will we'll figure out something for the future for video. I think that this Zencaster right now is the one that I'm going to use up until somebody tells me that there's a better one. Um, but it it seems to work. Uh, we just need to figure out a video solution so that um, I can give the folks on Patreon uh, a little bit something extra. Um, but I did tell them that we weren't going to have an episode, so surprise. Um, actually. That is something that we should talk Yay. about. Uh, so Silas, you're going to be, while I am off out of the country uh, for August, you are going to be taking over and doing some recordings yourself, correct? Yeah. Yes. I I'm Yes. I'm going to do stuff. <laughs> I'm really excited. Like, and I've been, I was talking with Silas a little bit about this. Like the format will probably be a little bit different. Um, I, Every time I try and put a specific structure, I'm reminded that structures are garbage and used 
to uh, keep those who lack power without power. So however you want to do this, Silas, it could be a really interesting thing. And it, it might be something that, uh, depending yeah. on that, what changes you make, I might actually be able to adopt them into the show proper whenever I do it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Special episodes for, for August. Yeah. It's going to be All fun. Right. Uh, tell people how they can find you online if you want them to. Uh, yes, you can all um, visit me on uh, Facebook, Silas Barrett. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, inland.sailor. And you can read my writing on awesome. Tor.com. Uh, and as for me, my name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. You can go to my website. It's myname.com. It is not myname.com. It is AshleyLaurenRogers.com. <laughs> Thank you for making that joke. I said it. I, I said you. my name.com and I was like, ah, crap. Nope. You're not going to go to my name.com. It's <laughs> terrible. Man, you know that oh, yeah. domain it's is probably... taken already, but it would be great <laughs> to have. See. It's my name.com. Put it on your business cards. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ashley Lauren Rogers.com. You can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deer 4, L U C R E T I A D E A R, then the number four. Um, some big things that are coming up for me uh, check out Forge Theater Lab. They're going to be doing some fundraising soon. Uh, they're producing uh, my play, Chasing the Ghost, which is all about internet culture Ooh. and uh, essentially a ghost that tickles people's feet. It's amazing. Uh, Such a good play. Else. Yeah, if you want to check out Is It Transphobic, uh, if you want to check out our website, just go to tinyurl.com slash isittransphobic. You can also follow us on Twitter at isittransphobic. And yeah, follow us on Patreon. Become a subscriber for even just $1 a month. You get to see high quality videos. Just not on this episode. Wait, be a there'll be a surprise. Oh, I didn't say a big surprise. Yeah. Don't get too excited. It might just be a but really yeah. cool image. Who knows? But only you. I have an image oh, of me dressed as Crowley. If you want to. You can if, have the. Uh, yeah. If you want to be Patreon, you can see. Yeah, my that's patreon.com slash so is a transfer. And also my partner yeah. is a zero fail. There you Yay. go. That can be your reward. You know awesome. Uh, so thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. We're approaching our one-year anniversary... No. Farge! Music underneath the Chasing the Ghost promo was Hunter by Falls, licensed through Soundstripe. Thank you to AJ Mattioli and Mattioli Productions for the audio consultation.